The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. This draft was Brett Veach's magnum opus. Like Veach, <laughs> magnus opus. That's a nice wine, right? Nice red wine. What? Is that what that is? I think it is. No, it's not that. No? Magnum opus is like a masterpiece. Okay. Oh, that's right. Welcome to the masterpiece. I am Chris Sims, and that is Ahmed Farid, and this is Magnus Opus Unbuttoned. <laughs> What's up? How you doing? We have our own wine now. Did you we see have that? our own wine. Yeah, it's very big picture on there. You got to see it. Twenty twelve. I knew it was a big wine. Like I don't know much about wine, but like I, I, I remember it's kind of a wine. Opus wine. Right. Opus wine. Right. I guess yes. It's it's. But I can remember, like, my parents or my dad talking about it, like, even when I was younger. That's where I feel like I first heard it. I don't drink wine. I can't do it. Can't do it, Captain. Why? It sits in my stomach, and I don't feel that great with it. It just sloshes in there. Never been a wine guy. Beer. I don't you're think you're I've not ever, a beer guy then, are you? Not really. The yeah, same kind of thing. thing. I just feel like it sits there. So, like, I don't think I've ever really been drunk or tipsy off of wine ever in my life. Bourbon. Bourbon? No, either. No. Well, and maybe in college when you're idiot college and they just put a bunch of liquors in a drink yeah. and you're like, I don't know. Why do I don't feel good the next day? Yeah. Well, you drank seven different liquors in one drink. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, but and, not. And a spiked cider. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. No, but no bourbon. Have you, have you bourbon? Bur- I bourbon's know about you, all I do. That's all you do. Yeah. Because I'm the same way. I don't like the sloshy. Yeah, you don't like the sloshy either. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm pretty much vodka or tequila if I'm getting tipsy. Vodka. Yeah. What was it on draft night? I did vodka. We were doing my Chopin potato vodka that night. I should have tried one of those. I didn't try one of those. And some of my potato weed with it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a new new strain strain out there. Yeah, right, right. So, well, wait. So, first off, like, I don't know if anybody, if you heard, but you're kind of a big deal around here. Okay? I've been traveling a lot. I mean, holy crap. Quadruple header here today. Ahmed Fareed, Friday at the Derby, Saturday at the Derby, Sunday. Major League Baseball, yep. Red Sox, Premier, NBC, Peacock, Baseball. Yep. Look at this guy hanging out with Nick Swisher, <laughs> high five and high rollers at the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> telling you what the horses will be going through as they walk through this yeah, area. Not the horses, the, yeah, jockeys, the, the jockeys, jockeys. Sorry, the yeah. jockeys. That was the and jockeys. They go through here. They're formulating their race plan. I had no idea. Really so, all right. So, and then you come here to do really yeah. the biggest ratings extravaganza for NBC, the Chris Sims on Button Show. It is. But you have enough energy here. Are you feeling good? Barely. Barely. Um, no, I do. I do. My voice is a little more gravelly, all I right. think, than it normally is. I don't notice it. Good. Um, no, I feel good. No, it was a really fun time. Do you and ever like, get in a bad mood? Are you ever mean? 
So at the Derby. Grumpy. At the Derby on Friday, before I was going into the two Derby shows and then making our debut for our baseball show right. on NBC. Right. I wasn't grumpy, but I just wasn't talking. You were a little edgy. I don't talk. Right. When I'm like grumpy, like in like stressed, yeah. I don't talk. You got a lot in your mind. Yes. You just like, I just want to kind of like keep quiet, compartmentalize, try to figure out my own brain how I'm going to uh, attack yes. the weekend. I avoid people. Yeah. I just kind of avoid people. I hear people. that. I hear that. I'm like that every morning. Yeah. I, I really am. I, I do a 7 a.m. show, as you know. So yeah. I, when I walk in in the morning, I'm a little like, oh, I don't want to talk to anybody at first. And I'm thinking about the show. I'm waking yep. up. And I'm like, I, I can understand that. I've never seen you in a bad mood. Yep. And even today here, I was expecting to be tired and be like, what the <laughs> fuck, this podcast? Yeah. I got to do this shit after yeah. this weekend. You're kind of uh, hoping for it because then it's like, fine. Well, like, I can fun. be like that way, too. Well, and it's then, fun then. Uh-huh. I could have been like, look at this. I've never seen this guy like this before. <laughs> All right. And suits, then, though. I want to hit yeah, that up. I love yeah. the derby suit. Thank you. I like the, that It was a like lot. a brown suit. Yeah, kind of a, right. Yeah, and then that was a good one. It was like... It was a brownish. It was. I more, think it was brownish. Came off as like a nice gray on yeah, TV. Gray brown. Right. I really like that one. I like <laughs> so the one for uh, the the Fenway game too. MLB so Sunday leadoff. They had yep. that there for you, or did you travel with them? They sent it to me. They no, sent no, it they to hook, They hook. They, they hook hooked it up. Oh right. my gosh. Yeah, All right, and then you got to tell me about Nick Swisher. So Nick Swisher. Yankees that I've always liked and heard so many cool things about. If a normal person's energy is on a scale from. You know, one to ten. Nick Swisher's is on a scale from ten to seven thousand. Right, forty-two. Like, so it's that crazy, huh? Yes, no. He's because I'm psycho. Have you met him before? No, you've never met him before. He's legit. He's legit. Like high energy all the time. It sounds like it, but it's genuine. Yeah. And so I got to work with him. I'll work with him in Atlanta for our next baseball game. Right. uh, Coming up this Sunday. So. Good dude. Yeah. Good dude. All right, cool. That's cool. It's good that you got a little camaraderie there with Nikki Swish. All right, all right. So, wait, I got a question for you here because Pete set this up. All right. Your big weekend. What sitcom did Swisher make a guest appearance on in 2010 when he played for the Yankees? 2010. Damn, I don't know. I'm not sure if I know this either. I feel like I remember him on a show and I just can't remember what it would be. 2010. I mean, Seinfeld's gone. His wife's like an actor. Is she? Yeah. So, maybe. It was something. It has to be something her. here in New York area. I mean, it's New York area. Was it I on Channel known. Four? Are we at NBC? Uh, CBS. He cheated on us, Ahmed. So it's a CBS show. Was sitcom. it? Was it? Um, let me think. Oh, How I Met Your Mother. Was that it, Pete? Wow. What? There you go. Wow. Good for you. Did you know that, or did you just pull out one of CBS's top shows over the last decade or so? Pete just revealed it from the rundown, so I was able to read it in the rundown very quickly. Chris is pissed. What the fuck, Pete? <laughs> what the Pete? I would never get that. I would never get okay. that. You All know right. me. All right. How would I ever get that? You're right. Well, I know. I, I could name a million shows, but I should have known. Maybe are I you a show him. watcher? I don't think we've ever gotten that. Not really. Not really. Not really. Again, the we're, we need to send NBC home with cameras, and I need to know what Ahmed does with his life at home. What do I do? I prepare for the Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast. Good answer. That's what I do. Good answer. Uh, yes. Oh, and Big oh. Phil was on that episode is what we're... Oh, He's Mitch? mentioned. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Big show there. Pete, how do you know all this? <laughs> CB, I mean, is, yeah, uh, so he was... Jim Nance was also, and they made a joke about Phil Sims in the same episode. Wow, big episode there. Wow, that is wow, a big... Six episode. degrees of separation. Pete, are you a big fan of that show? You must watch it all the time. Okay. He was, no longer is, apparently. I don't, okay. yeah. Uh, he may have watched that episode last don't night to prepare. That. That's awesome. All, all right. right. So speaking of preparing... Let's do it. You guys have helped us prepare Football. today. 
This is an ask me anything. These are our favorite pods because one, it gives it gives us a, a chance to take a back seat to you guys. You guys can think of all the topics. We put you to work. We don't pay you, right? right? But we put you to work. But also because it puts us in situations of talking about things that maybe we wouldn't have thought to talk about. Hundred percent. That's why I love it. I, that's, it's listen. This is part of the reason I read Twitter at times or even read comments under Florio's. Uh, uh, like articles, I sit there and trust me. A lot of them, I go, oh, "That's stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid." Yeah. But I will see a few that will strike up one thought in my brain and go, "Hmm, wait, I never thought of that." And yep. that's what I do like about that. So yeah, you're right about that. So we got a lot of different teams. We got some players to talk about. Maybe a couple from uh, from the draft still lingering out there. But let's start with what I, I kind of think, and I lived out there for a few years, so. Um, maybe I'm biased, but is one of the more interesting situations in the NFL this coming year because the 49ers, once again, they're in that window, yeah, right? They're right. in their, their championship window, obviously, yeah. with the success Definitely. they had last year. But they have so many questions at quarterback yeah, right Yeah, they got now. some weird things. Uh, so Das Botlam says, I wonder, is there a market for Jimmy G? Panthers seemed the only place, but I doubt it. What would it take for the Niners to trade him? Pay half the salary? More? After surgery, I think they'll have to cut him before week one. So 49ers, quarterback situation. Let's start with the Jimmy G side. Yeah. What's going on there, you Well, think? I, I think really, I mean, Jimmy G, I always thought, and have said this from the start, that I think the surgery, him opting to do that on his own, basically without the team getting involved in this, kind of caught them by surprise. I think it was one, him going like, wait, no, I'm not team doctors, 49ers. I don't totally trust you in that organization right now. I'm going to do what I got to do. And I understand that thought, even if we know they're very trustworthy. Hey, you've been burned by them a little bit. But I do think it takes power back into you know, his camp a little bit here because it's like, oh, well, I'm not healthy yet or uh, I need a little more rehab. He's going to be able to play that situation and kind of control how he feels through that and when they can trade him and what team and all that. And I think play off that to a degree. 49ers in a weird situation here. They really are. I don't know where this goes. I don't think there's going to be, when all said and done, a huge market for Jimmy G right now. I mean, as we've discussed here, all teams are basically got their seats filled at quarterback, except for the Panthers and the Seahawks. And then there's, to me, like two other teams out there that are like, ooh, maybes, right? Where I'll go to Houston Texans, Davis Mills, Jimmy Garoppolo became available. Maybe I could see them going, "Eh, okay, we'll do that. Let's see if he can help our team, and maybe he can be the future or something mm-hmm. there. Even the New Orleans Saints. I think they're a team that's ready. If they can get Jimmy Garoppolo for nothing, I do think he fits that Sean Payton style of offense they're running down there. And I think he's more of an intermediate, accurate, better ball thrower than Jameis Winston is. So that could be like two spots. But I think when you look at it, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. And I think it's more trouble than it's worth right now for the 49ers, who I don't think are going to get a lot of assets for Jimmy G at this point. And coming off the shoulder surgery like we talked about, plus the $25 million contract mm-hmm. that goes along with him if you trade him. Like, to me, there, there's just – there's no chance. There's no chance. And I would rather cut the cord and just start a new era than have to deal with all these what-ifs and, oh, he's on our roster. Let, let me figure out Debo's contract and all these other things. To me, it causes more trouble than it's worth. But you were saying that last year, yeah. too, mm-hmm. right? And they kept him, and they needed him last year. Yeah. Uh, they needed him to get uh, they as might far need as they year. did. So that's the question. Yeah. So let me just read this next one then. Middle of the road 33. Big fan of your work since your Bleacher Report days with Lefko. Uh, question for you. Are you worried about Trey Lance and the fact that the Niners quarterback couldn't beat out Jimmy G, even though Jimmy G isn't top 15? I'm sorry, but Mac Jones would have been far better at three. So that's the other part of this. Yeah, right. Right? Right. 
if there's no market for Jimmy G and you're yeah. basically going to have to cut him for nothing and you could actually use him or you think you might be able to use him, um, then you're not going to do that. So, I mean, Trey Lance... What do they What do they think about Trey Lance? Yeah. I think over there. Well, yeah. Well, right, so I wanted to hit a few things on because you 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 know you said I right, gave like, you a couple there. Well, you gave me a couple, and you even said some of them at the end of the last one oh, that good. I want to hit I gave off you three. of. Three. You yeah. gave me three. Well, just <laughs> just real quick because yeah. you said like yeah, last year I was one that was going just start the Trey Lance era and like, get going. Yeah, start it. But if you remember, they played the Chargers. I think in preseason game two or three, and when that got done, I went no, we can't do it. It's it's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. It's too raw. And I think that was the moment where Shanahan and the 49ers realized, okay, we give up. Jimmy's a starter. He's not quite ready yet. Don't look too deep into it that he couldn't beat out Jimmy G last year. That doesn't mean anything, right? Again, this is a guy that we know was drafted a lot because of high-end traits and potential, and we know it was a little raw, and he wasn't just going to be ready to go day one in the NFL, right? That's why some people said it was like Josh Allen, which I understand that comparison there. There was development that needed to take place. So that's the big thing. The thing that's different here with this is just whether, you know, people around the 49ers organization and training camp last year or people around the Chargers 49ers practices during training camp last year, too many people got to see training Lance to go "Eh, it wasn't that good in practice and there was too many things coming out of those to go it's really raw he's really far away the throws are off target the decisions are everywhere and all that so that I think added to where we are now and you know I think even there was a a writer out in San Francisco who wrote like the 49ers were underwhelmed by uh he tweeted out they were underwhelmed by Lance throughout the year Lombardo Matt Lombardo I believe it was yeah so I, I understand that but don't read too deep in the fact that he couldn't beat him out I would say this. Shanahan said a few weeks ago that they they think Trey Lance is going to start. He's ready. All right, he's ready. He is. I know they're going to play this dance if Jimmy G's there or not. Just go with it. You saw enough from him, and he's got some talents that can open up the field and make their offense every bit as dangerous. Now, is he going to be as consistent throwing the ball machine down the middle of the field? No, probably not. But – uh, I just think the Jimmy G situation brings more pressure on Trey Lance. It brings more pressure on Shanahan. And um, that's where I just don't understand the the hanging on to Jimmy right. G so long into the process here. Part of us thinks that, you know, NFL coaches have it all figured out. And yeah. they know, they kind of know what a player can be. But I guess with a guy like Trey Lance, you're not you, sure. You don't know until you play him enough. Well, I think that's probably why. I mean, the, the, the thought has occurred to me too of like, well, maybe he kind of knows they know he might not be ready, right? Or that they need they're a good team like you talked about in the Super Bowl window, right. where they go, damn, we're, we still need a good backup quarterback. We need to have somebody like that. I don't want to sacrifice our team on oh, our young Trey Lance went down and hurt his knee just like I saw him doing his first start last year, sure. right? And then you go, oh crap. Now we got, you know, quarterbacks that aren't good enough to get us over the hump in some of these games. C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, those type of guys. That would scare me if I'm him too. And I'm sure that might be part of the process with Garoppolo as well in their thought where they're just going, damn, I mean, he is a great backup option even though he's $25 million. But again, you traded three first-round picks for this guy. The pressure's on Trey Lance. The pressure's on Shanahan to make it work. And it's on it even more because of what our guy said here, too. With Mac Jones' success and the one he's compared to throughout this process, you know, that, that, that adds to it as well. How many games do you think Jimmy Garoppolo starts for the 49ers next year? I'm going to say none. I'm going to go with none, and that at some point before training camp or around that time, they either release him or find 
some what some way to trade him where they're going to still have to pay a big portion of the contract or something. I, I, but I don't expect them to be there. I just yeah. I can't imagine that happening. I can't. It's three first round picks to get a quarterback at pick number three, and you know basically have pushed out the guy who took you to two NFC Championship games in a Super Bowl. Right. Like you, you, you got to make the move and go and start the Trey Lance era. So, what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo might be dictated by what happens with Baker Mayfield. Dead to Head says, do you think Baker Mayfield is paying the price for the Browns deal with Watson in that in terms of he pissed off the owner so much that they are responding by shutting down on any trade talk for Mayfield? Well, maybe. I don't know if I quite like, you know, what did he piss the owner off with so much? Is it where I would push back there just a little? He feels disrespected in that one. And so then he let things out and the owner got pissed off. I get that. Like, listen, this is an interesting conversation. I talked about this with Florio a little today. Baker Mayfield has being fucked over by the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it is a true fuck-over job. I don't know any other way to say it. I'm sorry for the language. That's what it is. They have totally done him dirty in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Again, this is the first pick of the draft. I understand, hey, some people obviously think he's a little bit of a pain in the ass behind the scenes and all that, but you can say what you want about Baker Mayfield. He's tough. He's competed. He put them back on the map in Cleveland. They did go to the playoffs. They won a playoff game in Pittsburgh. They almost won another one in Kansas City and very close to winning that. And then he played extremely hurt all year long. And they misled him. That's where they did him dirty. They told him and his agent at the end of the year he was the guy for 2022. Then a few weeks later it was, well, you're the guy if we don't get a Wilson or a Rodgers or a Watson. Mm-hmm. And then it became, hey, we're going down to really flirt with Watson now. And that was where it was like, oh, wait, it's like a legitimate pursue him now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they do that so late in the process where at first off, I don't understand how they didn't think that was going to piss Baker Mayfield off, but in the pro- part of the process too, of where limited seats are available. And by the time it's all shake shakes out and everything like that, Baker Mayfield doesn't get a chance to go anywhere, do anything right. Or, you know, help his own career out. And they've held him hostage and continue to hold him hostage here for no reason at all. Other than, I don't know, thinking they're going to get some crazy value for him, and I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe they don't want to hold him hostage. Pete says that we misinterpreted the question, saying that you know the Deshaun Watson deal pissed off the other owners of all the other teams oh, so much that they're like, you. you keep your Baker Mayfield. We're not making a deal with you. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, so. think so. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to spite their own team just to prove Jimmy Haslam, you know, was, was wrong or an idiot or whatever. I think our owners definitely, upset about that. Definitely, definitely. The, 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 I mean, the contract is unprecedented, and you yeah. did it with a guy that's got 22 pending civil lawsuits. Yeah. Like, the league's like, what? are what? they more mad about, the total guaranteed deal or the fact that it was with Deshaun Watson? I think it's, I think it's actually the total guaranteed deal, <laughs> yeah. and then the second is that it's Deshaun Watson. And, and that's the guy you, right made, now. you made it him, right? Yeah. yeah, money over morals, Pete just said in my ear, and he's exactly right. Yeah. So, no, I don't think that's the reason at all. I do think they're pissed off at Jimmy Haslam. I think the Browns did a horrible job of mapping this situation out and, uh, and obviously didn't have really a plan here. But Baker Mayfield, yeah. I mean, again, Carolina, sure. Seattle, maybe. Seattle and Pete Carroll aren't going to trade one thing for Baker Mayfield. They're not. So, okay, it's going to have to come to that. 
And then, you know, I think you get the same conversation. Maybe a Houston, which I don't think so, because yep. they could have made him part of the trade deal with Deshaun Watson. Maybe the Saints. But I think that's about where you're stuck with right now. And from that standpoint, they've put Baker Mayfield in a really bad spot. And, and the other thing I'll say to that is that's where Baker Mayfield playing hurt hurt him. That's yeah. the other issue. That's really the other thing issue where you go with the quarterback that's in year four of the rookie contract or last year of the contract. You, you, you almost have to think twice about playing hurt. Because everybody holds it against you. Nobody talks about it. You're right. And you just go, well, he didn't play that good last year. Well, shit, he was playing with one fucking shoulder. He was gutting it out. You know, yeah, I know. It sucks. And we all want to go, well, he's playing. He should play good. But, you know, the reality is he's, he was trying to be a competitor and do all the things as fans that we love. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he loves the sport. He loves his team. I'll do anything for him. And then after the ma- aftermath, we go, fucking guy wasn't even any good last year. Get him the fuck out of town. Sorry for the swears. No, part of me would like the Detroit Lions to take a chance. I hear on you. Him. I get you because uh, that attitude and the way they fit. Kind of. I hear I, you. I just, I'm intrigued I by what would happen. You yeah. know, I don't know if it'd be better or worse, but I'm intrigued by it. Uh, we do have a Lions question. Yeah. Neil Richardson says, "When will the Lions win the Super Bowl?" I have accepted it may not happen in my lifetime. He said, "Settling for a playoff win, but will my one-year-old son <laughs> have a chance?" So, will Neil's one-year-old son? See the Lions win a Super Bowl in his lifetime. Man, Neil, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I don't want you to give up on your lifetime yet either, but a definite your son's. I just definite. I'm it gonna, will happen. I'm going to throw myself out there. Well, actually, you know, I don't want to say Super Bowl win. Win. Let's just say, <laughs> let's just go with an appearance. Let's go with an appearance, right? I mean, you saw the Bengals this year. They got there. Let's just get there yeah. first, and then we'll worry about winning it. Yeah. But and, yeah. And Chris is reconsidering too. Neil, you will be dead. You <laughs> will be dead. So. <laughs> I will say with my with my friend, my friend, the Detroit Lion friend here, Ahmed Fareed, uh, I am because of you. I feel like I root for the. Detroit a little bit thank more you, now. Thank you. And I feel like they're I want to root for that crew up there. Yes. I want to root for Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes and that crew. I don't know what it is or why. I, I've never even met Dan Campbell, but I'm I'm I don't know what it is. I'm Seemed like for good him. dudes. I've told you about my bet with the Lions before on this pod. I don't yeah. know if you remember it, but uh I with my friend, this was about twenty twenty five years ago now. Uh, we bet a hundred dollars and I bet that the Lions would appear in a Super Bowl. I wasn't as confident in a win, so right. like just like you, right. appear in a Super Bowl in Wayne Fonts' lifetime. Wow. Like, well, the greatest coach. I yeah. love Wayne Fonts right. because they'd always make a run right at the end. Right. And uh, lives in Tampa now. Uh, he turned 82 in February. Peter, I mean, he's... He's done me a solid. You know, it's just he's like hanging he's in there. He is. He is. Good thing he got down there in Tampa in that warm weather and yep. extended the life. I used to see him at practice every now and then. He used to come by practice. Is he a good dude? Great dude. Oh, I love like, that. Awesome dude. Couldn't right. be couldn't be any better. So I might have another, you know, 10, 18 years. He, Who he's knows? A, he's got he's got one of those like looks like one of those like yeah, those bodies and and, yeah. and he's a, one of those that might be like 95 and you're it, still going. He's still going strong. Yeah. So yeah, and it was about, I think, when Barry Sanders got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, he was there. Right. And he did have a cane. And my friend texted me and be like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, you're in trouble. Yeah, it's yeah. It's coming down the home but stretch. But he's been fine. It was yeah. just a small little, yeah, little just a cane. Speed bump. Who the hell cares? Just a cane. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Walking's overrated. Maybe he was doing it for style. So I'm feeling good <laughs> right. about that. Bet. There is something to that. Right? Do you ever think about that as you get older? Like when I get older, for style. Definitely. I like an old man with a cool cane. When I see him, I'm like, that guy's cool over there. That and, like, the old man hats. Yes. Right? I could definitely see myself hitting a point in my life going, I'm sporting this every day. My grandpa had, like, ten canes. 
yeah. that were like all woodcrafted yeah. and carved. They looked awesome. I love those. I, I yeah, there's something to it. It's like when I walk with the umbrella sometimes. I just go, man, yeah. I feel cool. I don't know why, but I'm walking with my umbrella on the side and <laughs> tapping the ground with it, and it just feels cool. I'm gonna be a cane guy now. <laughs> all right, you've convinced me. I, didn't, I never thought about Let's that do it. since when well, we're doing Chris Sims Unbutton, year 2042. <laughs> yeah, we'll be in here doing it with a cane. We'll get up with our <laughs> yeah. canes and right. we'll, we'll show how quarterbacks mechanics are <laughs> fucked up you and go, do it that way. <laughs> Pete, hand me my cane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So Lions, we might have canes when they uh, appear, win a Super Bowl, but we think it could happen here at some point, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road. Uh, the Chiefs could win one uh, more or sooner than that. We got T. Reagan, 84, says big Kansas City fan. With your experience, is an offense more productive with two elite talents at receiver or a room full of good receiving targets to spread the ball around? So it's like a quantity versus quality yeah. here. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you can't go wrong either way. It's not. It, it's a good problem to have either way. I would say that I'm more of a fan of the two elite talents because then when you have two elite ta- talents, you know, then the guys that you look at and go, well, they're not really good. They're just okay. They start to look good because they you just go, well, everything's easy for them. We're always worried about the two elite talents running around, so they always get the benefit of wide open in the middle of the field and, oh, you know, a, a mismatch or just a, a coverage malfunction that benefits them. So I, I'm more of a fan of that approach. Now, again, I mean, you know, there's a fine line with any of these things here yeah. where you go, okay, I mean, yeah, we have two, two good ones and it's really shitty after that. That's a different ball game. But I do think the two elite receivers, uh, this, this NFL right now, with the way the, the rules are, you, you can really affect the football game and open up a lot of the field for guys that might not be as great. Uh, there's, there's, you know, certainly conversation to the other side of that. What I would say to the other side of it is not all, not all offenses can deliver with the we're going to go with the quantity approach over the high-end quality approach. Yeah, And that, to me, is where that's why you've seen the Patriots, for the most part, not spend huge money on receivers because they go, we know how to get everybody open. You know, again, with Brady, even go like what I've I've told you advanced stats before. He's thrown to the even though everyone goes, well, never had a great receiver. He's had the most separation as far as the receiver being open out of any quarterback ever. And this is not against Brady. This is more just because New England said, we know how to call the right plays and teach you how to run the right routes against. And we have all the answers there. So we don't need to go. $30 $30 million receiver, $25 million receiver, and all that to, to make it happen. And Brady can make all the throws, No too, doubt about so it. Exactly right. Field. So you don't have to – he can read the field so it all yeah. fit for them that way. Exactly yeah. right. That was, that was the last point we had to make there. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. you got to have the quarterback now that can take advantage of the system full. It's what I say about Brady all the time. Brady can take advantage of more with more, but it'll be less with less is what I'm telling you. Right, he might. If you compare him to the great quarterbacks of all, you put him in a great system in the perfect situation, and the coach gives him all the answers. He's the best quarterback. He for might that be system. the best quarterback in football. Exactly yeah. right. But you put him in a situation now where I go, eh, the offense is just okay. They're just an okay pass protection offensive line. I'm going to go. No, there's like five other quarterbacks I'd rather have than him because they're going to be able to make things happen, and it doesn't have to be perfect. Like you know, Josh Allen ish, Mahomes ish. So that's that's where that is. But I think ultimately, as we're talking again, it's a league whole conversation here. Yeah. I would rather have the two guys. 
All right. Minnesota offense is very simple, but it kind of looks good every year because they got two guys, and we go, oh, fuck, how do you defend those two guys? Yeah. And just like we saw Cincinnati last year, good offense, you're not wowed by it, but because there's two guys at receiver and Higgins and Chase, and I know there's a third one too, yeah. it, it makes everything else better. So, Sorry for the long so, answer. No, so, but, so what about for the Chiefs then? They just lost one of those two. I know. This is where it's going to be an interesting experience with them. They're going to have one elite guy, but – the rest of the group, I would say, is a little better than quantity here. We're not – this isn't quantity, guys. Juju Smith-Schuster is not quantity. He's, you know, low-end, high quality, if yeah. that makes Haven't sense. Haven't seen it in a yeah, little it's bit. Yeah, it's but... been two years. Now, yeah. you know, listen, it's hard to see anything in Pittsburgh with the one-yard throwing passing game. Uh, but he's been hurt, too. But, yeah, same thing. Like, McCole Hardman. Yeah, not superstar, but this isn't just some quantity guy either. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a different mix here. And same with MVS. Where it's, again, it's not superstar, but every guy we just mentioned there has a quality about them that's kind of elite to where you go, okay, yeah, they're not superstars, but they're really damn good. So that's where I think their offense with Kelsey and those guys, it's not going to change a whole lot, but they might have to go a little bit more offense, spread the ball around judiciously than just draw it up for Tyreek and Kelsey all the time. And as you just mentioned, yeah. a quarterback that can take advantage exactly. of that. Right. And maybe Pittsburgh has not had that here in recent history. Jake Scanlon says, how much does Pickett or Trubisky change the Steelers' offense in comparison to having an older and less mobile Big Ben? I think less mobile is very kind to Big Ben. Uh, exactly. Less mobile, less, less, mobile, <laughs> less aggressive Big Ben. Yeah. It, it actually it's a really good question by Scanlon, and I think it actually does it, – it, it changes a lot. Uh, and, and, I, and you know I'm the biggest Big Ben fan. I'm, I'm one of the leaders of Big Ben's borderline top ten greatest quarterbacks ever. And I know I'm probably in the minority with that conversation. But – he has not helped their team out a whole lot the last few years. Trubisky, Pickett, first thing is, yeah, their athleticism, you know, to get out of the pocket, do those type of things, that's going to give them a handful of plays that weren't available to them the last few years because of Big Ben. He couldn't do that. And, in fact, when the pocket got bad, it was just like, oh, no, what is going to happen? It was almost always a disaster. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to go, whoa, we actually got a good play out of that. He scrambled for 10. He got out of the pocket and threw a 20-yard completion. Like These are plays last year where it was like, oh, just throw it away in the dirt or take the sack or whatever. So that's where I think it's also a big thing. And then I, with Big Ben, too, and this happens to all other quarterbacks, they don't want to stand in there and take hits and throw the ball down the field. And how many times last season did we talk about, like, you know, hey, there's people down off field, but it's like, get it out quick, throw it quick mm-hmm. here, throw it quick here, throw it quick here. So I think the aggressive mindset from those guys, plus, yeah, being young, hanging in the pocket, you don't care about getting hit as much and all that, I think that's all going to benefit their offense, let alone I think the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada's bread and butter is quarterback movement stuff. So now he's going to be able to be in his comfort zone and have guys that can do that stuff too, which I think will make him better as well. I'm curious to see Trubisky. I am too. I don't know if we are, but I am too. You think we? You think Pickett could well, win? Well, it's going to be a lot here? of pressure there. I mean, it's yeah. you know, it's, if Pickett, you know, again has a good training camp and plays good in the preseason, I don't know. I have a hard time thinking they're going to stave that off where it's just going to be like, well, let's go with it. I mean, we know Trubisky is not the future, so let's go with it. Now, if it's like Trey Lance or something like that, where it's like, whoa, he needs time. Okay. Yeah. You got Trubisky, but I expect it to be Pickett really when all said and done. Well, we know they're going to have Mike Tomlin in charge here. One of my favorite coaches in the NFL. He's got to win a coach of the year at some point. At some um, point. Bill Belichick has won 
uh, that in the past. I don't know how many he has, actually. Belichick? I feel yeah. like he's got maybe two. Does he? It's something like that. A lot of times when you're expected to win. Maybe three. Well, it's like Michael Jordan. It's yeah, like all those guys. You're supposed like, to be good. Right. You don't get it. But it's the up and coming, like, oh, wow, I never knew. Bengals, what are they doing I here? Mean, Zach Taylor, congratulations. Yeah, right, exactly, right. I mean, when we were in high school, right? I mean, the MVP of basketball? Like, th- that was not even a discussion. Yeah. It was just. It was just like... Well, I guess we'll, he, it's boring to say him every year, so let's yeah, find somebody That's exactly new. what happens. I mean, yeah. it's really what – oh, we'll go with Carl Malone. Yeah. Even though we know he's not the MVP, yeah. it's just that's what happened. And it's I like Carl like has a little bit better year than normal. You're right, like, well, right. Well, this well, is the time to give, this year. give it to Carl now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might not be able to do it exactly. next year. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Belichick so, has three, saying. Oh, he's got beats. three. Yeah, okay, right. he's got three. Yeah. Maybe he wins another one with Mac Jones. He can now win it because expectations have been tamped down a little bit. You're right. We do have a Patriots question here. J.E. Sports 1. What do you think about the Pats coaching staff getting smaller and smaller? As it stands today, they don't really have any real coordinators. I'm kind of worried about it. So Pete notes here, they have six offensive coaches, six defensive coaches. they got two special teams coaches. Matt Patricia is there as a senior football advisor. So they do have no formal offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, I guess, at the moment. What are they doing? This is – I don't think there's reason for concern concern here. Uh Uh-oh. We've had years where they've had no coordinators, I think, listed uh, on on their yeah. their coaching staff. I think there's been years like that. Like when Brian Flores was the D coordinator his last year there, he was not the def- defensive coordinator. I think he was just like head defensive assistant. He got to call the plays, but there was nobody there. You know, of course, you've had no GM. And I do believe there was years of no OC. I could be wrong there. Um but what would be the strategy for that? The strategy is he's just not going to anoint anybody out of nowhere, like right away, and then be like pigeonholed and do, oh, I gave this guy this contract and I got to make it work for three more years, even though I didn't like it after year one. He's going to keep it open until he figures out, oh, wait, all right, this guy is the OC. He can do it. Now I'll make him the offensive coordinator and pay him. Now, the other thing I want to say here, because it's a great question, and a lot of people, I would love for people to go back and look at, you know, last year I think was one of their bigger staffs altogether. Hmm. But when I was working there, and really all throughout the Belichick era, the Patriots have the smallest staff in football almost every year, no doubt about it. It's there's just not going to be too many assistants at every position and too many people in the coaching room and all that. I don't know if he wants to keep it a close knit group or if he just wants limited voices to his players or whatever. But that's the way it's kind of always been there in New England. They've yeah. definitely been like the most thrifty with their staff. And, you know, again, I, I can go through other teams and go, they got an assistant to the assistant of the quarterback assistant. Right. And then there's a, a tight ends coach and then an assistant tight ends coach and then, you know, a quality control tight ends coach. Which and, I think some teams look at that as like, you know, there's a salary cap and so we're limited there, but there's no salary cap on coaches. There's you can spend not as much and hire as many people. And so why not hire more help? And that's where I think the Patriots are smart. And that's also, I think they cut, they cut costs a little bit. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they basically do. They're they're NFL team. I know. Well, they're they Mr. Kraft. They're has into a lot making of money. money and winning in all ways. <laughs> but um, they don't. They don't see a use for it. I guess. Yeah. Bottom line. I, I don't think so. No. You know. And again, they're they're a place where I've said before they they had no problem making a guy uh, do two jobs for the price of one <laughs> up there in New England. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> so you think they'll be okay? They will be absolutely fine. He's just going to wait a year and figure out. Yeah. There's no clear cut candidate for him to be his offensive coordinator. Yeah. Defensively. I mean, yeah, he's there. His son's there. And we know they kind of are. Matt Patricia's probably going to be involved in those conversations along with a few other guys. But 
No, I, I don't know. The defensive thing, I would think we're getting close to going, wait, well, why isn't your son the defensive coordinator? Maybe he doesn't want to put the pressure on him there quite maybe, yet with that. Maybe. I don't know, but this is year three of him being that guy, I believe. I could see Bill being a guy that's just like, who, what's in the title? Who well, cares? Hey, that's right. right. It that doesn't, is. It doesn't well, the only thing that's in the day. title to him is money. Yeah. Right? So he's going, fuck that title. I don't like <laughs> to give you that much money. Even if it's my own kid. Right? It's our own family. <laughs> yeah, Screw that. that. Yeah, that's Bill. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Uh, staying on the coach's theme here, Let's talk Cowboys. Yeah. Go Longhorns 45. There you go. Yeah. What up, Longhorns? Can the Cowboys truly hire an A-list coach given the family involvement in personnel? Seems to me they've only pulled the trigger on B-listers willing to defer to the Jones family. So Mike McCarthy there right now. I think he was kind of an A-lister at times, but he was also a guy that yeah. was out of football and right. didn't have a job, right. so didn't really maybe have a He was a whole an A-lister of, at a time, like you yeah, said, though. He You're didn't right. have a whole lot of options at the time right. they hired him. Right. Uh, what do you think of that? I, it, it, I understand the thought. I think there is some truth to what he's saying. Here's what I would say. I would say the big-time A-list coaches, really big-time ones, will not be intimidated by the Jones Sean Payton's of the world. Bill Parcells of the world. Shanahan, McVay, Belichick, whoever. Andy Reid. They're not going to be like, oh, gosh, I'm shaking in my boots. I can't go work for the Cowboys because the Jones family. They're not going to have it. They're, they realize how big the Cowboys' name is, what an honor it is to be a part of that. And I think those kind of guys also are going to go, like, the Jones are going to know. Like, what, they know some fucking football, these guys here. So, yes, we're still going to say what we want to say, but it'll be a total team effort. Like, yeah. they're not going to tell Sean Payton what to do at quarterback. and like what, Or they're not going to have Sean Payton. Yeah. So that, to me, is where it's a little different. And you know, it just hasn't worked out that way quite yet where those A-listers want to go there. Hey, I'll say that even with Jason Garrett. I mean, Jason Garrett was looked at as an A-list candidate when he was coming up the ranks as head coach. He turned down to become instant head coach Falcons and Ravens head coach because he was going, wait, in a year from now, I could have the Cowboys job. Yeah. And I still think it has that allure to it. Um, but it, I do think it takes it will take a big-time self-confident coach to go in there and kind of deal with deal with them. And if you go to Dallas and win a Super Bowl, you're a legend forever. You're, I mean, that's that's if you're a coach and you're secure, yeah, you're a legend. You're a legend forever. forever. Exactly I, right. I do feel like, like, what are the points bets odds? Uh, yeah. Pete on on uh, our guy Sean Payton going to being the Dallas Cowboys head coach at some point in time. I feel like I want to make a bet on. I that. Uh, yeah, I would bet. I, I would feel like bet it's you, almost guaranteed. I hear you. I mean, I would think it's yeah. better odds than Rich Strike Pizza. He's on fire today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, um, it's on my radar. I mean, right. no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's definitely. I'm going to be looking if the Cowboys don't play expectations this year. Yep, we're going to hear Sean Payton and the Cowboys in December. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But that's definitely going to be part of the conversation. Listen, Florio knows there was a deal in place to get Sean Payton to the Cowboys a few years ago. Anyways. It just happened that the deal was kind of in place to where Anthony Davis would be trading for the Pelicans 
and he was going to go to the, the Cowboys and the, the Saints and Mickey Loomis was like, wait, I can't lose the two biggest superstars in the city in the mm. same weekend. And that kind of stopped it. That's interesting. Right. So, um, but I don't think the great coaches, if they go there, they're going to understand. I mean, the Jones family is going to understand. Like, they're, if they go, if like McVay or Shanahan went there, yeah, they're not going to go there if they feel like they have to defer to the Jones all the time. Yeah, and they're going to pay a lot of money to that coach, so they're going to want him yeah, to. Right. And they're going to let it be known that you better listen to me in some of this stuff, or yeah. it's going to be an issue and it ain't going to work out. Yeah. Now, to your point, like McCarthy, he wasn't in that. He didn't have that power to be able to do that. So, right. okay, that's the play you want, Jerry? Sure, sure. Oh, that's the play you want, Steven? Sure, sure. I'll just coach the team. And that's where he's at. But I, I, at some point, an A-lister will be there So again. you say that, that things could change if they don't reach expectations this year. And yeah. that may be more likely because the division uh, got tougher. This is from Jake Cood, 13. Cheers, boys. The rest of the NFC East, minus my Cowboys, have improved significantly this offseason. Is the talent in Philly or New York enough to take the NFC East title, or does the quarterback make too much of a difference here? we got points, bets, mm-hmm. odds uh, for this one. So we do have the odds on this one. Yeah. Jay Croucher, our friend over there at points bet, supplied us with this. Odds uh, better. Uh, what is this? Uh, what so is before this? the draft. Okay. A bunch of numbers After the draft, up. they been... improved a little bit. Okay, so Cowbo- okay. Eagles improved a lot. I got this now. Okay, so the Cowboys are still favored to win the division. You know, before the draft they were. They're still uh, favored now. Yeah, you're right. So the Eagles now, their chances have gotten better. Still the second choice to the Cowboys. The Commanders have gotten worse. Giants got worse. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't understand why those two teams got worse. So points bet thinks the gap did close, though, between the Cowboys and Eagles. I I mean, I would agree with that. I I, I think it's even closer than that number of states right there, really. You know, first off, our our Jake Cood 13 – that's a good question. Giants have made a lot of improvements. I'm not ready to put them in the they might steal the NFC East conversation quite yet. It's not, you know, just too many new parts, new coaching staff, all that. I think everything's going to be better, but I don't think they're there yet. You know, I would supply Washington more as the more of a threat with mm. Philadelphia than over the Giants as of right now. Okay. Yeah, I would. I mean, Washington, again, there's some things to like about their football team and where they're at. But I think it, all in all, man – I think Philly is right there with Dallas on paper right now. I mean, and just again, it's it's we're we're talking one of the best O lines in football, one of the best D lines in football. Receivers are pretty damn damn good in Philadelphia. What if they you know? lead the league in right, rushing, right? And are the toughest to run against? Is that, you think that's possible? I do think it's possible. They could I, definitely be in top five. And I both. cannot wait to see Jordan Davis next to Fletcher Cox, next to Javon Hargrave, with the six biggest ass cheeks on the field on the same defensive line in the history of football altogether. That is going to be unreal. And we're going to show clips of it, side end zone views when they first come on the field. And we'll look at the size of these asses, and this is why nobody can run. Linebacker's going to be like, I see nothing. I can't see anything but butts. Right, right. When the Kobe Dean's just going to go, wait, there's the ball. i got to go get it. Nobody can ever get to me. I'm just going to go make tackles. These fucking guys up here eating up everything. So it's great that way. But I look at the Eagles to be the team that is um, definitely the biggest threat to the Dallas Cowboys. Last year, they were first in rush yards per game on offense, ninth in rush yards allowed per game. I think they're going to be top five in both this year. I, I, I I'm like where your head's at there, and I'm, I'm going to piggyback with you there. I think you're right. And if you want to bet on something like that, you can do that over at PointsBet. You can download the PointsBet app. You can use that promo code NBC2K, right, Chris? Yes, you can. Ahmed, you're such a professional. You are right. <laughs> if you're in an eligible state, PointsBet has an exclusive sign-up 
offer for unbuttoned listeners that you can't miss. Download the PointsBet app. It's easy. It's awesome. It's very easy to use. Use code NBC2K to sign up and get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So if you bet $800 on Taba on the horse race in the Kentucky Derby and lose, you'll get free bets worth $800. Yep, exactly. Okay? So that's what it is. If you had bet 800 on Rich Strike, ooh, I don't know what the math is there. I do know if you bet $10 on Rich Strike, yeah. you would have won $800. That was that would be big money. Like Morgan's, Morgan, who does our social media here, yes. told her boyfriend, just put $10 on Rich Strike and let's take a chance. Right before the race. Typical man, didn't listen to the girl, didn't listen to the woman, <laughs> thinks he's a know-it-all, yeah. didn't listen. How dare he? But <laughs> bottom line is, once the game starts... Don't just bet. Live your bet life wow. with points bet. Okay, you like yeah. how I tied that all together? You did. It was, it was, like, a, it was like a story. Was I like, was I like Ahmed Farid and Mike Tirico and Derby coverage Like a story right tell, yeah. I felt like I was. People would have cried. You go to break. You come back. The next <laughs> tearjerker of a story. They go, I could have won $800. Really? Just listening to Morgan? I bet, of course. Uh, I bet 150 on Taiba. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Taiba. Right. Yeah, Taiba. I was on Messier. So when you were on Messier? The other California horse. Yeah, right. Uh, that didn't yeah. go well. Yeah, sorry. I think Taiba finished ahead of Messier, though. Yeah, Taiba got stuck. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a disaster for everyone who did not bet on Rich Strike, which was everyone except for Morgan if she had the, uh, the power to do that. All right, moving on. Most important positions. This one I like. I want to. Yeah. I want to get into your brain here because we've talked about your, your future career as a GM running a team. I think we're getting closer and closer to that. Who knows? Oh, thank you, uh, Neil Mo, twenty ten. If you become a GM of a team, what would your philosophy be for building a team in terms of units? You would invest the most money in draft picks in. Oh, I like that units. It's a betting term, right? Yeah. There. Well, like, uh, you know me. I'm. I'm. I'm a. I'm a little bit like. Um like some of my friends and and the the school that I got brought up in. I was brought up in Phil Sims, Bill Parcells school of football. I I'm a believer in big people and you win the line of scrimmage first and then let's start to work on everything from out there. That's just just the way I see it. Always have. Uh, to me, again, if you're if you want a chance in every game, right? Just a chance and let's just make uh, like uh, the teams that are always there, at least there to be they always have the good offense and defense line because there's never a game or a team they play where they go, "Oh no, we're mismatched up here." And now we have to compromise all these other things to help up here to take over and help that out. And oh no, now we're compromised here too because we had to help out the other compromise. So you're like it's a double whammy. And again, I think if you get into really ultimately the better teams in football, as we discuss a lot, you start to see that. That's a real thing. You know, every now and then you can get away with like the Rams with an average offensive line, but you better have a really good coach who knows how to checks and balances and save them and, and, you know, trick people to keep them off them at times. That's where that's, that's rare. But, you know, again, you know, Tennessee Titans, you see number one seed, uh, the Green Bay Packers got an elite offensive line. Defense line needs to be better, man. That's why they can't get there. 49ers every year. It's good offensive line, good defensive line. You know, Chiefs are kind of in that conversation too. The Bucks won the Super Bowl two years ago. What'd they have? Best, one of the best offensive lines, one of the biggest, baddest defensive lines. So that's just where I, I would start. And then I would try to, you know, sprinkle in the guys you talk about in the draft, I just sit back and wait because all my guys will fall to me in round That's two true. Or three. That really will happen because <laughs> it was like every draft. I'm sure there are guys you're like, how is he still here? I like this guy and fall right in your light. You don't need to trade up. No, to get those and hopefully guys. I'd have the eye for the quarterback, which I do believe I do. So O line, D line, okay, here we got a quarterback. I'm gonna get me a special receiver. 
Yeah. Like, that's, that's going to happen. I want my team and my – I want a special receiver to make the defense show their hands. So you go offensive line, yeah. boom, studs right, up there. Right, Then, if you had the choice between a stud defensive line guy mm. or an elite receiver, mm. what do you do? Mm. That's a good one. Mm. I might go with the, the receiver right mm. now. Yeah, I might. And just go, okay, I'll, I'll get one less – a little bit of a lesser D-line guy there. Maybe try to build it with numbers more than necessarily just the big superstars there. But uh, I'm a believer in the receiver thing right now in the NFL. I have been have been really since last year's draft when we had in the Chase Penny Sewell, yeah. remember? I, I was very torn there because I like big people. But I was like, well, Detroit's got big people. Right. I mean, and, and, and I just thought, like, um, I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, I thought... Chase could change the game more just because he was so extraordinary. Right. Even though I like big people and I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. I just, oh, that's such a hard thing to do. Okay. You know, again, you can find second rounders, third rounders, yeah. and guys like that to kind of fill in. As receivers, it's hard to fill in late in the draft. Might have worked out where both teams were on in the time horizon here. You know, Lions farther away yes. um, from competing. Cincinnati, obviously, a, no a lot closer. No um, question. Where, where does quarterback sit there, though? Because quarterback's so important. Yeah, right. right. I mean, is that assuming you have a great quarterback? or? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, that's where me and maybe my special eye for a quarterback uh, could just, yeah, I could draft one and go, okay, we got it. Here we yep. go. Like, I, I found my guy. Um, Get your Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott in the fourth round or something oh, that like would that, be maybe. Great. That, would great be great. that would be great. That would be great. Last question. Yeah. So if you assemble the perfect team right. and they're kind of middling along, not playing that great, what are the chances you're down there calling plays next week? <laughs> that's not happening that's not happening i don't trust your coach yes trust your coach is exactly right you know and then me me in the days of coaching or you know i don't want to say over but they're kind of over whenever i think about jumping back into football i do think of front office i do you, you know? like the team building outside of the day-to-day maybe coaching. yes the day-to-day rigors of like let's go through every you know you know Play, detail, homework, coach the guy, all of that. Yes, I do. I like the idea of team building and being presented with that challenge and trying to find the right guys to fit the team. And that is special teams are part of the game, too, yeah. and so you'd have to build yeah. that into your team. Yeah. M. Osborne won. Would you finally view kicker as a real football player if he kicked the football into the hole on one of the cannons on the Bucks pirate ship. Yes, I would. Finally, yes, I that would. man would be that a real football it. player. That would be it. <laughs> he is a tough football player. Uh, I actually like really love kickers. I do. I do. I always gave the shit to all my kickers that I ever played with to say you're not a real football player and all that. But uh, I always had great relationships and was around some pretty colorful personalities as kickers that I had fun with too. All right, offensive question here. Uh, play action became yeah. a big part of the game. We see it a lot in college now and some of those offenses, but run in different ways. Uh, Frank Noel says, do you prefer play action being run from under center or in the shotgun? Does yeah. one have more benefits than the other? Yeah, good question. All right, there's two. He hit me off with two things here. First off, if I have to listen to any more NFL coverage where – no matter what channel it's on, well, you know the NFL's really stealing a lot from the college game. What the fuck is there to steal? What would would people just hear lines and repeat them? They don't. They don't go. Well, wait. What are they stealing? What 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 are the the shotgun inside zone play? Oh no! There's four plays in college football right now. Nobody in the NFL is stealing anything from anybody in college. There's nothing to be stolen. It's as basic as ever in college football. It's why we have the conversation about the offensive linemen every year. Because the SEC and the Big Ten are the only two conferences that even run some plays other than read option, 
uh, RPO, screen to the receiver. Whoa, man, every team in football is going to the college lab, and they're like, how do you throw that screen to the receiver out there? Okay, you got my sarcasm there? <laughs> yes. Everybody on TV, stop saying that shit, all right? Because when you say that stuff, it's just lazy, all right? Now, the other thing is you want to be underneath the center. Center's definitely got more, more of a effect on the defense, right? You played quarterback. Think about, like, when you pulled away from the center and now you turn your back, the linebacker's going, wait, this really looks like a run. And now he's underneath the center. He doesn't see the ball. He sees a running back coming downhill towards him. And now he starts to go, well, I have to start getting ready to come downhill too because there's a running back running at full speed and maybe a fullback too. So you got to start respecting that at some point. Where if you're in the shotgun, yes, you have to respect it. But more times or not, what, do I, what I hate about the shotgun is running backs don't get to go downhill. It always starts off going horizontally. So as a play action off of that, okay, you don't have to come down as come downhill at the same rate as you do to me with underneath the center. Right. You can kind of you almost always go sideways. You take a few steps. That's why the RPO became a thing. Wait, the linebackers keep shoveling to the side of shuffling to the side of the run fake, and now we can hit a little slant over here, right? That's why they started to do it. So that's great from that aspect, but you're not going to get the linebackers and people up into the line of scrimmage that are necessarily always going to open up the big 25-yard crossers or the 20-yard in-cuts. And and that, to me, is where you have a little bit of an advantage that way with underneath the center as compared to uh, shotgun. Plus, you can do different actions, too. Think right. about, like, you, you probably came out of quarterback in high school football and, like, put the ball out this way yeah. and then faked it the other way and then kept the ball for a pass down the field, right? So mm-hmm. there's two actions that have got – instead of you just – riding the guy in the shotgun yeah and the linebacker shuffles with him and okay it has some effect but to me not the same effect and when you're under center too you can do the coolest move in football as a quarterback where you fake the handoff with one hand and then watch and watch the running go. back go right. and then you boot out the, the other the way bootlegs right. thing. it's like right. Aaron Rodgers does that all it's like I love that no doubt about it the bootleg has more effect too underneath the center I mean yes it's a form of play action so you're right we should involve that in it but yes also within that fake and then seeing the empty hand yeah one of the great things I ever learned from my Paul Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett's father, his first year in the offense to what you're saying, he made us hand the ball off, all right, and you had to watch the running back for two steps as you handed it off. But then on play action pass or anything like that, you also had to do the same thing. Now, that's all cool and dandy, but when you're playing Julius Peppers and you're going, wait, let me fake the handoff, even though I got the ball in my hand. Yeah. And let me keep watching him like, hey, he's got the ball. That It takes some some guts to do that because you're going, damn, does Julius Peppers know that? Are you sure he's going for this fake or is he going to be on my chin when I turn around <laughs> right, here? Right. But it's amazing the effect. And that's why you see Rodgers do it. He does the little two skips or two hops because that's a hackett thing and it adds to it plus i think there's more ability to get people open downfield and more protection versatility when you're underneath the center as compared mm. to the shotgun as well so that's the other aspect i like about underneath the center not even close right. to me got to have some underneath element in the offense so you as quarterback are underneath center for your play action yeah. you as quarterback have a type of receiver let's yeah. dig deeper into that mm-hmm. cd2k Chris, as a quarterback, do you want targets who, A, know their assignment and execute, or, B, are ultra-talented but may not give 100% or don't know the offense or aren't on the same page as you? So two that uh, 
are not as ideal. Yeah, maybe here. Um, who uh, know their assignment, execute, but you know they're you know they're okay. That's where you know again. This is a little bit of like a conversation before. There's a lot of things here. Yeah. You know, again, it, it, we're talking about the league in totality. Again, some of the great offenses in football, you could get away with. Oh, the guy who knows their assignments and executes because they'll just the offense itself, the play callers going to know how to get people open to where that can be done. But let's just say again. We're going middle of the road, everything, right? Your league average, league average offense, league average play caller, whatever, all of that together. Man, I, I feel like I'm actually the guy that would probably want the ultra talented guy, really. I would just go, well, yeah, he doesn't, you know. I mean, again, there's a fine line here it's, with yeah, all it's this. It's all to what degree? To, to what degree? <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, we can't have like some shithead who just like gives up yeah. and like just doesn't give a shit at all. Without naming names, did you ever play with someone who had so much talent, but you just never could get on the same page as this person? You don't have to name names. No, though. yeah, uh, not necessarily the same page, but um, the person maybe just wasn't giving like their all in their free time to be all they could be. Sure, definitely had that. Definitely. That's frustrating. It's very frustrating. You're like, man, it's, we could be so good. No doubt about it. And it's frustrating even on a personal level because then you're like, wait, I'm at the field and yeah. working with these guys and they love it every day. And it's just like, man, I like that guy a lot. I wish he would come and work and do this. But he's worried about everything else. Yeah. And, and they'll go, hey, Chris, you would pick this guy in a future podcast well, you're doing. Though. That's why yeah. this is why I love Brandon Marshall's of the world. This is why like, I was best buddies with him and Joey Galloway because they were like me. They lived it. They loved it. You know, and I could always depend. Let's go to the park and have a catch. They were always like, "Let's do it." You know, it didn't matter when it was, and and that's where, that's where it becomes special because now you go, "Whoa, here's the talented guy who you know knows their assignment and executes, and yeah. he's got this freaky talent we're talking about." Yeah. Um, so you choose C. All I am of the probably, above. I all am, of the above. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> if you made me go one or the other, I'll go B. I will. Yeah. I'll go B. Because you want the chance that that guy will snap ending I, I gear. think, and I'll simplify the offense and make it to where, okay, yeah, you might not be great at all these routes and do all these, but we'll get to the routes you want to get, and we'll be dangerous that way. Let's stay on wide receivers here. Drewski says, what can we learn about the evaluation process from guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson who made immediate impacts on their teams? What skills did they have coming into the league. Oh, these are playing into each other here a little bit. This is perfect. Because these are Good two job, guys Pete. that we just talked about, right? It's to me, these are the Brandon Marshalls, Joey Galloways. They, they love football. They love the craft. You could tell leading up in the draft process how much they did. Justin Jefferson, I felt like I was talking to a fellow quarterback. So he loves them. You know, so they love the game. And then ultimately, they have the physical talent to what we were just talking about to where you go, well, this is, this is special talent. And Yes, it might not be perfect route running, but okay, we've seen a little things here and there to go. They can do it and all right. that. So, like the, the the things you see first off is what we've always talked about: receiver, pure raw physical ability. When when the play was simple and they were being covered by good guys, could they just get fucking open all the time? Yes, they could. That's what jumped out to me. You know, people go, "Oh, Justin Jefferson, he's over the middle a lot for LSU," and I would go, I, "Okay, but he's not over the middle this play, and this guy's going to go in the first round of the corner, and he he's running by him." So I know there was some system plays, but you're losing fact of the physical beast he is just because he got put into a spot where they went, well, let's just let Jamar Chase be the beast all the time. And Jefferson, who's also a beast, but he's really good at this other stuff. Let's just put him there. Um, getting off, just winning with pure raw physical ability, being able to get off jam is a huge thing, right? 
right, to where that, that, that's a big part of it. Can they come in the NFL and deal with these awesome Jalen Ramsey corners and still you know, consistently get upfield to where they're not jammed into the sideline? Right. I think that's where you know, their immediate impacts are as far as they work, but they're great, great physical talents. And then you know, they love the game and are willing to work on the areas that they need to get better at. And not to toot our make, own did horn. Did I answer that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Not to toot our own horn, but you were higher on Justin Jefferson. Than most. most, no doubt. A I lot mean, of people saw Chase's two, right? ability, but yeah, 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 you had him at two. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was, I was a huge fan of Justin Jefferson. I was. Um, he got too much of. Well, they moved him in the slot. He must not be as talented. And I just was like, no, no, they move him in the slot because he's good at that, and they got a freak on the outside too. So they got the best of both worlds. All right, let's let's get to the. Yeah, you had him ahead of uh, Jerry, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, right? right. Yep. Yeah. Who could still be good? Of course he can. Now with, now with Russell. No doubt about it. Uh, let's get to the big uglies again here. Let's, let's skip one down here to the, the Ravens. A uh, little nitty-gritty here, but Ravens fans oh, will like this one. Oh, you know what I want to say, too? That's where, like, my Alex Pierce thing with that. Oh. And I loved Alex Pierce. I've, I had people reach out to me when they like, last week. Like, like dude, you're, you know, you moved Alex Pierce out of your top five. You should have just kept him there. He, Alec Pierce, excuse me. I yeah, now you're Alex. changing his name. You should have kept him there. He's already gotten better at the route running and released things that you were worried about a little bit. Huh. Yes, right. And then Chris Ballard made a comment last week at their workout with Rizzer, and I'm already regretting that too. Because, again, I made my evaluation a little going, I- I've seen enough to think he can do this stuff. Yeah. But I let a few people scare me off it, and I'm already kind of pissed off that I did it. I am, but uh, we'll see where that goes. Well, that's, that's good. where we- there's a balance in this, those, that conversation. Well, that's a good thing about changing yeah. your mind is we can just go back to the original uh, ranking the original evaluation. We still have the full screen uh, of that. All right, let's go to uh, Raven's question here. Ringo number four. What do you think of Linderbaum's athleticism, how it compares to someone like Garrett Bradbury? I have a hard time believing that Linderbaum will succeed against NFL DTs when Bradbury has struggled so heavily against similar traits. And so we're talking about the best center in the draft yep. right here that went to the Ravens. So we're looking at uh, Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury. Yep. From, he was um, a first-round pick three years ago. From the Vikings. Four, maybe. For the Vikings yes. now. Right. And uh, yeah, weight is very similar. Bradbury is actually an inch taller, it looks yep. like here. Ten Arm pounds. length is similar. So Bradbury is a bigger dude. Um, and so I guess Bradbury has not lived up to expectations no, he at this hasn't. point. He's had issues. He has. He's, he's, he's not good in pass protection. That's probably the biggest issue. He's not bad in the run game. But, yeah, top 20 pick, has he lived up to that billing? No, he's not, he's not lived up to that billing. All right, so that's a valid question. I understand that. Linderbaum is way more athletic than Garrett Bradbury was coming out. Linderbaum is arguably the best athlete I've ever seen at center since I've been doing this. Now, I didn't evaluate tra- uh, Jason Kelsey when he was coming out. I was still you know, like playing football and doing all that stuff. Yeah. But to me, you know, I've never seen anybody that way. And then, again, listen, the size is a concern, but, you know, Bradbury – uh, I was definitely in draft eval with all that. The, the 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 power and the blocking is not on Linderbaum's. Um, it, it's it's just not as high quality. And again, Linderbaum, you heard me during the process. I I was going, wait, is this guy really going to block some of these big guys as I turn on this film? Because he really going to be able to do this like all game. It's 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 almost perfection. It, it really is. I only saw one guy really give him issues the whole year, and it was the guy from Iowa State, uh, Iquaname. Uh, so that was it. I, I think Linderbaum has Pro Bowl talent and is a better player than Bradbury was coming out. All right, how good of an offensive line do you need for this next question? Yeah. Al Lids says, from their own 30, is there an offensive line capable of protecting the quarterback long enough for Florio 
to run a post route. Well, we might have to keep the tight end to block too. All right, <laughs> we definitely have to do both. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, there's a few. There's a few. Like, man, I look at like the Eagles as we've talked about earlier. Yeah. Man, when they're all systems go. I mean, Florio, yeah, it's going to take five or six seconds, and you might have to shuffle <laughs> up in the pocket a little bit. Yeah. But they might be able to do it for sure. Uh, the Bucks are, I think, one of those offensive lines that I look at that in, in when they're healthy and ready to go. And really the Chiefs I would probably throw in that category okay. as well. How far down the field are we talking? Yeah, well, Mike's usually post routes are like generally talked about, let's throw the ball on the hash somewhere between 42 and 45 yards. That's usually where they reach. So, now, when I had Joey Galloway, I was like, 42 yards. We're not throwing the ball 42 okay, yards. Okay, so that's like hash. a 40-yard dash right. or more. Right. Florio's not running a five- or six-second 40-yard. Yeah, yard. you're right. It's six seconds. Sorry. So it says you're right. He's 58 years old, so it's going to be a little longer. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe I was thinking 40, Florio in the 40s. Um, yeah, you're right. Now we're going to have to probably keep the two tight ends in the block and, <laughs> and a running back. And replace everyone with Total Hall of max protection. <laughs> and we're going to have to have Jamar Chase on the other side of the field. And I'm going to have to pump fake at the Jamar three times. And yeah. then come back to Florida. So it's possible. It's possible. Okay. Yes. If you it, have the greatest it, offensive line ever. <laughs> the 93 right. Cowboys. It can be done. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, what about the greatest play caller? They would probably not call Mike Florio post route in the middle of the field. No, they wouldn't. Peloton of one yeah. said, who is the NFL's most innovative run play designer? Yeah. Who is the most innovative pass play designer? And who is the NFL's best play caller all great question all in so yeah let's go with first uh, run play designer all right at peloton of one run run game designer it's hard for me not to say shanahan's the leader there shanahan to me shanahan hey greg roman's very good there's no doubt roman if you watch the ravens you know they got checks and balances for everything too to where it's you got to really watch it sometimes he goes well that's the same play they ran before and you go oh no it's actually not they it kind of looks the same but there's a little nuance there and that's why that run worked what is it is it like uh what the offensive line does is it plays playing off each other like you it, just it mentioned? is a little bit of that exactly yeah. right it's about having i always use the phrase checks and balances oh they're overplaying this run to the left oh here's a run that looks like a run to that same runs coming to you guys Oh, no, it's not. It's a screw job. Here goes our guy the other way for 40 yards. Good job defending that run to the left, though. That's where they're special. You know, they not only can just do meat and potatoes, smash mouth football, but they have the creativity and things to always keep you off balance and you don't know what to look for or what's coming. So that's where I think, you know, when I think run game, and I, I don't mean to leave anybody out, but, yeah, the 49ers are one of them, the Ravens, as you heard me say. I think the Patriots are – Definitely one of them up there. I mean, again, we saw what they did with Cam Newton and stuff. He was so, yeah. oh, shit, look at this shit they're doing here. I mean, they have a lot of different ways, too. And, again, I mean, they did go a game this year where they said, we're not going to throw the ball. We're going to run the ball every play the whole game. And they did it against a team that we went, they could have won the Super Bowl, the Bills, yeah. right? So there's something there to that. Uh, and then the Browns. The Browns, I will say, more just through the – 
it's not always creative, but they're well coached. Callahan is so well coached that they always do everything the right way. But I'm going to give the edge to the 49ers and Shanahan. And Michael part. McDaniel was part of that, right? No doubt about that. So I'm now in Miami. He's going to be something to watch for. McVay's good, but it's a little more simple checks and balances approach. He doesn't have his quite the creativity. But again, we're talking the 49ers and Debo Samuel and all that was done. Nobody's ever done that. Right. right? That, I mean, so that kind of tells, tells you right there. All right. What about the pass play designer? Pass game, like, I get into. The Chiefs, right? Reed and, and Biennemi. I get into Josh McDaniels a little here as well. I get to Frank Reich, all right? I get to Brian Dayball, and I get to Byron Lefwich. I think those are the ones, you know, Sean Payton's out of football, so he's, he's not getting any love here right now. And of course, he's, he's really awesome. That, to me, would be the ones in the pass game that I think are really special. And if you asked me to do one there, hmm. I'm probably going to go with the Bucks. I like Byron Leftwich's offense, the extension of Bruce Arians' offense. And I'm going to just tell you, best overall play caller, he's in this conversation as well for me. Really? He is, no doubt about it. I love the Bucks' offense. I did a few things on Sunday Night Football this year. You know, they're the best screen team in football. They're the best at finding ways to throw people aggressively down the field to be wide open. And then I feel like what they've taken from Brady and the ways to kind of surgically dissect you for five and eight yards from the New England offense, and they've encompassed that all together. I just go, I, I think I might like their offense the best in football. And then they have the ability, the run game's not overly creative, but they can play a smash-mouth style of run game that I like too. So, you know, again, McDaniel, Shanahan, Dayball, uh, Andy, Andy Reid, Frank Reich, all there. I think my best favorite overall offense is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow, okay. I know. I so know. when you're the GM, yeah. Byron Leftwich could be calling plays Man, for your I'm offense. A, I'm a huge fan. I am. Uh, you, uh, you will have to evaluate positions here, too, as the GM of a team. Okay. And so you did that for, what was it, the last, you know, Eight Six. months of your life. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Danny Wilson says, I would love to know which positions are you most confident in your analysis and which positions do you find the hardest to rank? So yeah. Danny wants to know which of the podcasts he doesn't need to listen to <laughs> next year right. when we're evaluating the draft prospects. Uh, yep. All right. So I think the, the – I'm always – you know, quarterbacks, I always am confident in that. Yep. Not, you know, again, I'm going to be wrong. You're always going to be wrong with some of these. Uh, wide receiver, I feel like i got a pretty good history with. You know, I don't know if that's just because I, you know, threw to a lot of them and I know what to kind of look for there. Um, defense end, I feel like I've been pretty good too. Corner, I'm pretty good with. I think those are kind of my strong, strong positions. O-line, I'm going to say I've had a few swing and misses here and there. O-line's hard. Again, it's one where I would love to see people in person a little bit. It does help that way. It's not like – I'm not going to say it's a bad position for me, but I feel like it's one where I've come away more years than the other ones and gone, oh, the guy I had three should have been one. And and I don't feel that way in some of the other positions. Like Tristan yeah. Wirfs that year. I go, I missed that. Like he he should have been one. I don't know what I was thinking. I put too much emphasis on foot speed a little bit. And I, I and then made you know, yeah. made a reevaluate me. That would be a position where you would maybe defer to an offensive line guru. Expert. You would yeah. definitely want I would want a great offensive line coach like Shanahan has or McDaniels have had and all that, because you can lean on them. You go there's little nuances, you're gonna go, me, ex quarterback, ex receiver, I don't know all the nuances of the line. Hey, old yeah. line coach, give me what do I need to look at here with that? So yes, there's certainly something there. Running back is another one I've missed out on. 
No doubt about it. That, to me, is the biggest one where I'd like to see people in person a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, I think maybe I've gotten a little caught in, you know, the highlight factor of yeah. the running back game uh, maybe than some of the other positions. So where those are the weaker ones, I would guess. As a quarterback, do yeah. you think defensive back is easier for you? I, I do. I do. I feel like I got some experience there. I was fortunate to be on some teams with some other good ones. Yeah. Like I, so I know what Champ Bailey looked like. I got to play with Ty Law. I got to play with Rondé Barber and John Lynch. And, you know, some guys there that I keep to leave where I went up. I've seen these motherfuckers in person. Yeah. <laughs> I know what a good one looks like. Yeah. So, yes, there is there is an aspect there where, like, last year, I know I put Tyson Campbell as my number two above Patrick Sertain. Sertain should have been two. But I'm very happy about my Tyson Campbell proclamation. Nobody in sports media was saying Tyson Campbell should have been a end of the first round pick or anything like that. Started day one for Jacksonville, played really good for them all year long. So I'm like, even though I was maybe a hair wrong there, I still like that I had the eye to pick out a guy that nobody was talking about, right. and I feel pretty good at that position. Right. All right. Yeah. Do you have an eye for a sandwich? King 36. What are your thoughts on making a sandwich with the end of bread slices? I'll do it. But I don't love it. If it's the only thing in the bag. Right. If it's the option, I'll do it. I'll do it. But, man, that's, that's some thick bread. And, mm -hmm. you know, man, you better have a glass of water or something. to. to mm -hmm. uh, I usually – Pete asked me if I usually throw them out. No. I have four chickens and a rooster. So I throw them out the window, oh. and they'll eat them at some They're point. For the animals. The animals. Right. Nothing goes to waste in the Sims household. All My right? son likes them. I he, don't know why. He I don't know if it's end? just like he likes to, like, be different. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I like those. Like so toast and jelly, I don't like that to be the end. Yeah. But again, if I have to do it, I do it. You know what? What about my, you? One of my dreams, I don't really like that. You don't no. like to do it? You wouldn't even do it if like, if you were like at the house and you went, oh, I was going to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. Oh, man, it's the ends. Are you going to just go forget it? Let me just find something else? Probably. You are. I'm okay. not a big sandwich guy. Yeah. I don't like, I'm not a bread guy. I do like sandwiches, but I'm trying not to eat bread. But I've always had a dream of that a restaurant will make a sandwich in my honor. You know, like call it the Farid or something. Yeah. I don't know where this came from. It was like 10 years ago I started thinking about this. How can you not like sandwiches and then expect a sandwich made after you? No, I, I, I do like them. It's I just like, I don't like movies, but right. I want an Oscar movie made after me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is what I want. Right. I want this on a sandwich because I think this is revolutionary. Yeah. This will revolutionize the sandwich game. Yeah. Potato chips. Oh. On the sandwich. What? I'm with you. Right? I'm with you. Can we get that done? Smart. Pete, can we talk, can we make calls and get that done? I do. I'm already I'm on yeah. you with you. Even when I do peanut butter and jelly, I might throw a barbecue chip or two on a certain oh, bite. Like the crunch. And be like, damn, it's so good now? Yes. Yes, I'm with you there. I'll eat bread again okay. if we make that sandwich. The Farid. The Farid. With chips. Yeah, the Farid with chips. Yeah, okay. Or without chips. We'll get there. All right, this one comes from Frank Knowles. It said Sims, Ahmed, Paul, Pete, got James, Gabby back there, Morgan. No, it's not Gabby today. It is... Um, Kelsey, that's right, Kelsey back there today. Gabby getting a well-deserved uh, day off. If you were to play on an expansion team together, what positions would you play? What would be the team's name? What state would you play in? Well, I mean, I'm quarterback. Chris is quarterback. Uh, although, although Paul, I mean, Paul, what, would he battle you for the job? Like, would there be a quarterback competition? I mean, there might be for a few days. So it's going to be over in a hurry. <laughs> I like Paul at all. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to beat me out of quarterback. No, okay. right. no, he's not. Uh, but let's see. Paul, you, let's see, Pete. Damn, Pete's going to be a real tough position to find. He's, he's, he's limited. Pete's uh, limited. He's he already, might be the kicker. He's auditioning for he's not a real football player. He's a kicker. <laughs> um, you're, 
Man, I could. Do I don't know. Maybe things, I need man. to sacrifice and go to another position because because we might be able to. Th- you might be we able to help the, the best team. team yes. on the field. Maybe you need to play quarterback. Okay, and All then right. I need to play like tight end or receiver. Yep, and Paul, get into the open field. And Paul needs to be the other tight end or receiver. Okay, something yep. like that. I think. I mean, neither, none of us are defensive. Guys I just here. dump it out like ten yard little out routes hooks, and I just get it in your hands, and you guys go. You just throw me back shoulders and jump balls. Yep, that's all I want. I'm not going to get separation. Yep. But I, I, can, I can play the ball, and I got big hands, and I got a big catch radius. Morgan safety, probably, back there patrolling the outfield. Definitely. Just just checking out social media from all <laughs> angles all the time, without uh, a doubt. And Pete says that, obviously, we'd be called the Rapid City Rushmores. Remember that? We made yeah, that team, I know, right? right, right. We did. I don't want to live there. Sorry. I don't want to live there. We're moving. This is my team. We're coming up to New York. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Jersey City Rushmore's. I do like that. Sifo uh, Bain says, uh, Yo, Simsy, love the pod. I was wondering, are there any prospects who you'd rank significantly higher or lower now that you know what teams they're going to? Oh, that's oh. an interesting question. Mm. Like, now that they are on a team, you're like, well, they're going to be the best this in their class or significantly better than I ranked them. They're going to figure something out. They're well, perfect. Yeah, I mean... I, we, it's almost like we hit this like a little bit like in the Kobe Dean. I don't think he's the best linebacker in the draft, but he's in a spot right now where I go those three big asses we talked about and the way they play a defensive scheme to where all the things that were negatives about his game, he's not going to really have to deal with in that defense. Mm. So that's a big positive for him to where I'd go. He's not the best linebacker in the draft. He's not one of the three or four best. But statistically, at the end of this year, he could look like he's the best yeah. because it's just the absolute perfect position and spot for him that way. All right, so that's one for sure. Um, you know, the Germ- I, again, I love Jermaine Johnson, so I don't want to go there. But I do think it's just awesome system fit just as far as first-round guys. You know, second round, this is one I should have looked up prior to the uh, – to the, um, the damn. That's uh, all right. We're over an hour yeah. in. If they're still here, they're super fans that want to hear you. Alec Pierce is definitely another one. Alec Pierce for sure. Oh, second time Alec Pierce I know, reference come up. in the pod. Yeah, I mean, we're in you know, round two and where they got him. I just think, yes, and the fact of, again, almost like Christian Watson in the Green Bay, it's like they kind of, he's kind of got to help them out this year. So there's a little bit of like desperation from the team and then there's talent with the player. And then I've said Frank Reich is one of the better play callers in pass game. And that to me is where I go, see, Al Pierce is going to show his ass this year. He was in your top five. Right. You dropped him out. Yeah. Now he's going to finish as one of the five best yeah. receivers. Yeah. I did rookie that, receivers. That this to me year. was like the thing I couldn't wait to say on this pod all week because some of the pushback I got last week when people found out I knocked Alec Pierce down a little yeah. bit. Um, well, he's back in, everyone. He's back in. He's back. He's right. number two <laughs> receiver in the draft. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's, gosh, there's so, I mean, I, again, I look at James Cook with the Buffalo Bills. I would throw him in that conversation. Because it's just a perfect scenario. He's not as good as Kenneth Walker. He's not as good as Brees, Brees Hall. But he's in a place where everyone's going to be going, oh, shit, they got to worry about Josh Allen. Oh, shit, we got to worry about Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. Oh, we forgot about him underneath. Oh, my gosh, he's wide open with 40 yards of space to run. That, that's yeah. just another perfect scenario for me. All right. All right. You want me to keep rattling off, no, no, guys? No, I think I that's good. That's good. Maybe going. more come to mind as we go uh, throughout this off season. Maybe we can, uh, we can bring him up here. But yeah, cool. there's another uh, question that uh, – that I think a lot of people have when you're doing these evaluations. They want to know if you saw any players that maybe caught your eye that are going to be in future drafts, oh. specifically quarterbacks. Will Caldwell, 
It says, while conducting your magnum opus <laughs> with all your rankings yeah. this past year, did any quarterbacks catch your eye during your wide receiver scouting? I know Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are viewed as the front runners, uh, but who are some players to watch in college this year? I know. I, listen, I, no disrespect to those guys. I'm just not d- sold as of right now that those are the front runners. Again, we've been thrown in this. Con- this is this seems a little bit of what you've been hearing me say. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Oh, Rivals.com made him one. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's on the good college team. The college team's good. The Rivals.com guy must have been right. He's that good. Let's just keep going with it. This is what you try to avoid. And I think this is what makes you so unique in this evaluation process is you really don't lock lock in on these guys until it's until all the work is until in front it's time. of you. I got to see it. Yeah, right. you, don't, you don't form opinions that are hard to break maybe a year later until it's time to evaluate. Exactly. I mean, that's why we saw, you know, Spencer Rattler is the number one pick and Sam Howell is the number one pick. And that's where it's all went because I feel like it's that same conversation. Oh, highly ranked quarterback coming out of high school. Oh, he's doing kind of good in college. Has to be one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. So there's things I like, certainly. There's no doubt about it. The kid, and, and, and they, they might be there. I, I, again, I look at them as going, oh, this is more talented than the Sam Howells or the, the kid in uh, Oklahoma, right? Two guys that pop to me. Caleb motherfucking Williams, who's going to USC, don't sleep on him. I didn't realize until this spring Caleb Williams is as big as he is, and then watching him, like, Caleb Williams can really throw the ball. Caleb Williams, I think, might have been the first quarterback drafted this year if he came out, Mm -hmm. right? The next guy I'll throw in there, and I don't know if I know his name, Kentucky quarterback. That's all I know. He, he, He transferred from Penn State. I can't think of his name. Yes, Will Levis, Pete. Man, I don't just watching film. Of course, all I did was watch the SEC during the draft process. Right, right. It's the SEC. It's like every position, you're like oh, SEC guys. He made a lot of throws where I went, "Ooh, this kid's got like athleticism and can and can spin it and throw with power." Big guy. Those are the two guys outside of we're going to be told Stroud and Bryce Young all year, no doubt about it. But Levi's, you say Levi's? Is that how you say it, Pete? Leave. Levi's, Levis, sorry, no disrespect. We're still just learning you here. Yeah. And then it'll be a year until we learn. Caleb Williams, yeah, yeah. Caleb so, Williams, who followed his coach to USC, and of course came in for Spencer Rattler and and never looked back there in Oklahoma. Bryce Young currently the favorite at plus two hundred to be the number one overall pick. C.J. Stroud is plus two ten, so right behind him, uh, Will Levi's or Levis is plus two thousand. Right. It is Levis okay. plus two thousand. Wow. Yeah. So get your bet in promo get code NBC2K. <laughs> yeah. A couple more questions here yeah, cool. uh, on this pod. AFC Top 5 is this one. Uh, plug and play 16. Who are your way too early top five contenders in the loaded AFC heading into the season? Love the pod. As always, thanks for the content. Go Broncos. So he's hoping Woo! that the Broncos are in your AFC Top 5. They're in the, they're in the running here. Like, all right, let's just let's say this, and you can help me out here a little bit. This doesn't have to be totally me. Okay. All All right. right. All right. But Kansas City, of course, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt. I don't give a shit if Tyreek Hill's not there. The receivers are still good. They got Mahomes. They got a great offensive line. And I think they improved their defense. Yep. So Kansas City, Buffalo, those two I'm going to put in there for sure. Easy. I'm also going to put the Tennessee Titans in there. I am. It's it's a little close, but I'm going to still do it. That defense, you know, that offensive line with healthy. Hmm. I know there's no AJ Brown. That that is a different different thought there. Yeah. I know. I'm still going to do it. Wow. I'm going to put them there. 
I so am. you filled one, two, you filled five, I kind of feel like here. I, I've got, I know, I've got one, two, three, right? Is that, it really would be, uh, well, just, this is just a top five. This is in no particular no order. Pati- yeah, it's no particular order. It's just five, the five. Now, this is where it gets, it gets interesting. And I think I'm going to put Cincinnati there. I am. I, I don't, like, Cincinnati, is, it's not a one-year wonder It wasn't to me. a fluke. It was not a fluke. It was not. We saw potential before the year. You wondered if they could do it. You wondered where Joe Burrow's knee was going to be all at. Those questions are all gone. Oh, man. I, I look at them and go, yeah, roster is pretty damn good. And I think they will be a little chippy. I'm going to throw them in there. And now we get to this. The, is t- I mean, I there know, are right? so many good teams that are improved, right? I mean, you could make the argument for the Dolphins with yeah, all they've done right. here. Patriots, you exactly. know, Exactly, so the Patriots. Um, I Denver. Think- yeah, Denver Chargers. Baltimore had I mean, an awesome draft. Yeah, I mean, but Chargers, I mean, like, they added before the draft, and they were almost a playoff team. Um, anyone else in the, I mean, Colts? I don't know. They're not Gosh. going anywhere. Ravens should be better. It is, it is really unbelievable. It, it actually is. The more I sit here and think about this. All right, so, so right off the bat, just to end this conversation, uh, between the Chargers, the Ravens, and the the Patriots. Okay. That would be the, the the running for the last one there. Chargers. I'm going to go with the you I was going to go with the Patriots just because of the proven commodity. Uh-huh. I know, but I'm scared. I'd go Chargers. You'd go Chargers. I would go Chargers. I understand that. They've they've made the proper adjustments here too. Improved the You know, what? I'm going to change it too. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I mean the Chargers too. You are. I am. I'm going to join you. Okay. I'm going to join you. I think they've done enough. I think the O-line got better. We know the receivers and quarterback are special. You know they got a running back. You know mid rounds of the draft, and then I they got bigger on the D line. Got Khalil Mack. Got some corners to go along with it. I'm going to join you in the Chargers conversation. That's a tough one because the Ravens and Patriots are proven, battle tested commodities. But for the sake of this exercise and having a little fun, I'll go with the Chargers yeah, here. Don't hold us to that. It's yeah. way too early. Uh, but That's let's good, go. Good question. Though. That is a good question. Yeah. I, I like this one, this next one, too, because it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. We always talk about who will be that surprise team. This year's Bengals, perhaps. Goat, goat, says, which team in the top five of this year's draft is most likely to be last year's Bengals, be the surprising good team? So the bottom five teams in win percentage last year were Jaguars, Lions, Jets, Giants, Texans. Mm, some good ones there. Just list six teams there? Is that I can see, like... That's fine. The the team that I think that you know again Cincinnati what they did is special, but I I, I can see Detroit being better no. for sure. The Jets are the think the team that I, that pops to me. Yeah, the, the Jets are. You know again I, I, the Jets O line I, I think has a chance to be pretty damn good, and now you got Michael Carter and Brees Hall at running back. Yeah, and you got. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Cordell Patterson. Pete makes a, makes a good point, though. Can it be an AFC team? Really? I, I, I know, so I know. I just I'm not ready to go with the Giants there. Yeah, I can't do the Houston Texans. Yeah, the Lions. I could see them being a pain in the butt and being good and dancing around 500. And Jacksonville, I could see them having their moments too. I can. I just think if we're gonna hold it to like. The Bengals theme of like, oh my gosh, this team popped out of nowhere. I'm going to go with them. Second year quarterback, Zach Wilson has all the things you've heard me like. I like Joe Burrow. I like Zach Wilson. Yeah, I, I don't know. They're, that to me. And again, what people I think missed on the Jets a little last year is how many injuries they had at key positions. You know, you got you got you got to go check it out a little bit. Whether it's the defense ends, the tackles, the safeties, whoever. 
The quarterback got hurt. Elijah Moore was hurt. I mean, they had a lot of big-time injuries. Maybe not the numbers-wise, but the importance of their scheme and everything. I'm going to go with the Jets. Okay. All right. All right. Jets to you surprise. Good with that? Who are you going to go? Who are you going to lean towards there? For the, the... I know you like the Lions. I do like the Lions. I know. I know. But, like, we're talking, like, can really explode onto the scene, get yeah. to the playoffs, and you go, wow. I know. I feel like you feel the Jets, too. I think the Jets yeah. because they got the quarterback that can do some crazy shit. It seems like it. Right. Three first round talent guys. I know. I know. All I right. think it'd be then. They right. they would need some injuries to happen well, to other teams. Well, that's what's to Pete's point, right. the AFC and then you just look at the AFC East and you go, "Holy crap. You got the Dolphins, the pa- I mean the Dolphins are extremely talented. Yep. The Bills are awesome. We know the Patriots are good. And then the freaking Jets who are getting better, but you just you go, I, I hope they can, you know, see the benefits of that with, with who they gotta play. It's gonna be some team. Some team's gonna jump up that was terrible last year and be pretty good, maybe a playoff team. It happens every year, just don't know who it's gonna be. Yeah. Three more and they're uh, non football related. Awesome. You ready for the final my three? Favorite, my favorite ones. Nick Yams. Hey Chris, great job with the pod. Not sure if you're allowed to answer this, but what is your favorite strain? Me and the rest of your fans would love to know. Ooh, I love questions with not sure if you're allowed <laughs> to answer this. These are my favorite yeah. questions to answer. Yeah. I'm a sativa guy. Uh, hopefully you know that at Nick Yams. I, I am a total sativa. I, I would really prefer pure sativas. Strawberry cough is one of my favorite ones right now. Okay. Great sativa. Gets the mind thinking and crazy. Doesn't get you couch locked, right? Okay. That would be one of my tops. Jack Herrera would be another one. It's like a great sativa, kind of get you creative, not feeling low. I, I always look for those things a little bit. Like make the brain a little crazy, make me think, make me self-evaluate, maybe have a moment of like, what the fuck am I thinking? I'm stoned. Oh, shit. Let me get back to thinking normal here. Okay. Right? <laughs> you're like so uncomfortable with this conversation. <laughs> no, I just but I'm that, an outsider looking in. I know you're, you are. You're totally the outsider. You get to see it in person, though, uh, yeah, in a few yeah. weeks. But, yeah, that's that's kind of the ones I, I, I do get on my dispensary here in Connecticut uh-huh. to go, I need more sativa here. We need more pure sativas. You've got to be scarce. one of the top clients, right? They should serve their customers. No question. And they hear me, so they're trying their best. They're trying. Um, I'm more of an Alani or sometimes Celsius <laughs> guy for the, uh, the energy drinks. But as yeah. always, check your local laws before uh, yes, partaking don't get in, in any trouble. of this. Don't get in trouble. Uh, this one comes from Tron Madden. He says, I don't know if you're allowed to answer this. Uh, no, I didn't say that. But do you <laughs> – uh, we're getting into the hygiene portion. Do you wipe standing or sitting? Legitimate question. Well, we all know at home I pee sitting, all right? Yes. Yeah. Why would you stand when you can sit? Need a rest, right? right? Need a rest. Need a rest, and yep. toilet's clean. It's my own family's germs, yep. and I'm down with that. <laughs> I can't believe there's a wipe standing crowd. Yeah, I don't I don't know how it would work, right? I, I mean, to me, that seems like a lot of work to stand and wipe. Jeez. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of issues there. I, I don't want to get too graphic, but I totally. just, I don't, I don't, to me, I'm a leaner. I'm a sitter. And and do how you want to do, right? If you right, were a sure. stander. If you're like, a stander, go ahead. And if you're a stander, tweet in to at Chris Sims we and know. tell us how you actually do it and why you do it. Yeah, please do. You know? You're exactly we're not, right. We're not judging. Yeah, we just we're not judging. Know. We're all we're there. Curious. I'm the guy that pees sitting down. Yeah. I'm not even a man. So right. please send it in. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I've exposed on this podcast before, I'm, I'm neither. I'm a bidet guy. You're a bidet I've guy. I fully converted. You have yeah. fully. I know. I, I I got the bidet at the house, and I see it. Yeah. And oddly enough, I think about you every now and then when I look at it. But only, I've yet to good. use it. <laughs> only 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 wipe to dry. <laughs> yes. So it's like that's what that's what the camp I'm in right now. So we all have our own thing. The final one, 
Mehmet 305. Oh, we got a Mehmet 305. Okay. Can, Ooh, we, I like can this. we have another Can we have another sweaty armpit check? It's been a long time since our last oh, one. Oh, baby, I'm good. You're oh, good. You've good. usually been good. I I've am, been the question mark. You are the question mark. But what, what, what the moment of truth or what? Well, yeah, exactly right. Take off your fucking hoodie and let's see your armpits. You got seven. Oh, he's yeah. good, though. He's good, good today. Right? I'm good. He's good. You know what I think yep. it was? At Mammoth 305, he's I'm good. good. I think it was a pandemic thing. I think a lot of the ones I would do from home, and I don't know why, if it's just harder to do it's them, or you're like, you have more anxiety, like, I don't want to cut you off, or there's a little delay there here, is, and you're for trying sure. to keep the show going. Yeah. And maybe it was hotter up in my Yeah, it's not like this there. here. No. Where, I mean, it's cold in here right now. Maybe and maybe it was a pandemic. I can thing. see maybe, that. Maybe I'm over it. I could see that. I I have to do brother from another from home every four o'clock on uh, four o'clock every Thursday. Okay. And you definitely realize when you have like studio equipment in a room in your house, you go, "Holy shit, my room is so hot." Yeah. That by the I sit there ten minutes before I go on, and almost every time I'm on. I have sweaty pits. See, there it is. Because it's just like I can't keep the room cold enough. I'm drinking water. I'm with a napkin before I go on because I'm like starting to get sweat beads in my head. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's not always easy. But you've and adjusted a, well. And imagine if they did a pit check, how demoralized you'd be. I know. That happened to me I during the pandemic. You. I know. Look at you. Gosh, but you and rebounded. Now, now you're rebounded. stronger for it. Yeah, and now I'm at the Kentucky Derby. And now so he's take wearing that. De- now he's wearing deodorant under his arms to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe I should look into that. <laughs> Those are great questions today. It was a awesome good pod. questions. I, I love that. I, I enjoyed it. I that did. was good. Good Made variety. Of my feet. Yeah. Good job, Pete, picking uh, picking good ones too. Good job, homies, for supplying them. Seriously, big big uh, big ask for all the homies out there. Big ask to Ahmed Farid, and thank you for coming in to host the pod. Absolutely, today. that was an awesome weekend by you. It this really is was. like my like you mentioned before. This is like my vacation. I come in good. here, I get to talk to you for a couple hours. Right. And- it's a fun time. Torture, vacation, same thing. <laughs> so make sure you go home and rest. All right. Wednesday, Paul's back. We got Big Phil coming on Wednesday. Oh, cool. He's ready to come back on. Nice. He's got to get some things off his chest. So we'll hit on that. And then what we got coming next week, guess what time of the year it is? I've had a few days of not having to work <laughs> and not do a compile yeah. something. Yeah. The Chris Sims Top 40 Countdown. Already? Oh, baby. That's wow. right. It starts next Monday. Will you be here with us next Monday? You yeah. don't know yet? Okay, no, so I, you're going to be here. I got Mondays. I got Mondays. 48, 39, 38, and 36. To- totally. Cool. There we go. Right. And here we go. Do it's, you have the list already? It's or? been a while. It's been about six weeks since somebody's been able to shit on me for something <laughs> I've ranked. So That's we have true. to make sure we get on, get yeah. on time here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I always look forward to that. All right. And uh, everybody stay involved. Keep listening. You know where to find us. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, appreciate it, homies. Have a good two days. Check you out Wednesday. Ahmed, I'll see you next week. Peace out. Clap, Clap it, it up. longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 